0: Season's greetings. Carl, are you in a festive mood? Uh,
1: yeah. Except for the fact that I learned on Christmas it's going to be negative eight degrees. Oh. oh. But that that's still, you know, several days away and it's St. Louis, so everything could change at any moment.
0: Yes, it could. But I know there are those that want white Christmas.
1: We'll talk to Mark Fishback, who's playing Santa in the Fabulous Foxes production of Elf, the musical. Then around minute 34, Avatar, The Way of Water. Around minute 47, the St. Louis Film Critics Awards and the Critics' Choice Awards. Around minute 48, we'll talk RRR. Around minute 50, The Menu. And around minute 57, The Theater Roundup.
0: Well, one Christmas tradition that has been since the turn of the century is Buddy the Elf. And we have...
1: You mean the turn of, you mean the turn of the 2000s? Yes. Okay.
0: Because the, the, the movie came out in 2003 and I was in the audience and the sight of Will Ferrell in an elf costume made the audience laugh and we were off. So cut to 2022 and after three years off, Elf the musical is returning to the Fox and we have none other than Santa Claus with us. I know him. By the way. <laughs> I know Santa
2: as well. So welcome, Mark Fish back. How are you today? Well, thank you, Miss Lynn. Thank you, Mr. Carl. Thanks for having me. I'm fantastic. There's nothing better than traveling around at Christmas time and spreading some much needed Christmas cheer. That is true.
0: That is true. You have played Santa before, so what do you love about playing
2: Santa in this musical? Well, this is actually my fifth national tour of Elf the Musical. And what I love most, well, I mean, what fat man doesn't want to play a Christmas icon at the holidays? You're beloved. And in this particular version of Elf, naturally when uh, a movie translates to the stage or a book to a movie changes do happen to accommodate the new medium um in this particular version santa has been combined with the bob newhart character of papa elf and santa becomes the narrator and so my first interaction is with the audience itself at least for the first six or seven minutes and that's always a joy when the lights come up and they see Santa for the first time, and you hear the the children in the audience squeal Yay. with laughter and you have yeah, and you have the adults you know they' you can tell they're grinning. Uh, you can just feel a vibe from the uh, from the audience. And that kind of return of the Christmas cheer back to you is one of the reasons why I like to keep coming back to do the show.
0: Well, that's wonderful that you're back on tour because I actually saw it on Broadway in 2012, yeah. And it was uh, it's it was joyous, and there was little uh, snow. It, we were at the Hirschfeld Theater, yes. and it was little snow. And it was my youngest son's first Broadway show, so it was a perfect show to start that thing because he had only moved to uh, New York the year before. And uh, I enjoyed it so much. I happen to know the lyricist, Chad Bagelin, because he yeah. is a local dude. He is from Centralia, Illinois, which is about an hour from St. Louis. And so uh, I found it delightful. What a, what a neat movie to transition to the stage. Why do you think it works?
2: Well, I think, it's, I think it works because the movie worked first. And even though there are a few changes, the core values of the movie are still intact. All the beloved moments from the movie that people seem to idolize and enjoy so much, for instance, let's say the eating of the spaghetti with the syrup or getting caught <laughs> in the revolving doors uh, of the uh, of the city in, the, in New York. Um, his relationship with his dad and trying to f- spread some Christmas cheer, find his idea. Identity, all those core values are there. And frankly, there's enough for the kids to be entertained with all of that wonderful music and dance. I have to go back to tell you that 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 music that those guys wrote for Elf, they've also written The Prom and The Wedding Singer, and all of their music is just dynamite. It's jazzy, it's up tempo, it's fun. So the kids aren't going to be bored. And there's enough singing and dancing there's what 12 13 songs in the piece itself so the dialogue doesn't get very lengthy at all before you're off to another song and that's that's part of the joy of doing a musical uh but everything's there it and there's enough message of finding the christmas spirit again if you've lost it um there's enough for say the older folks to reminisce about the times that they had christmases with their family and the core values i think are still intact but it's entertaining enough. There's just enough newness to keep your interest, so you don't see a uh, a shot-by-shot shot remake of the movie. So you're always going well,
1: to the, the movie. had... Go
2: ahead. I'm not sure what I was going to say, so please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the the movie has music in it as well, because Zoe Deschanel sings a lot in the in the movie, but this is full-fledged musical.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, We travel with uh, a nine-piece band, and boy, are they hot. Uh, They're all such consummate musicians, and when the score starts and they start playing, it just brings an upbeat swing to the mood. I mean, people are already in a Christmas spirit because they're there to see a Christmas piece, but once that music hits, boy, you're just transported into a really lively event.
0: It is uh, just a heartfelt, joyous experience. Matthew Sklar did the music, and Chad's been, they've been a partnership since, I believe, college, and uh, they do such great, peppy, feel-good music, but you do have some heart to it. And also, uh, Chad's use, because he he's a book writer, too, his flair sure. for the language is, is just uh, magical i just love everything he does the wedding singer got knocked but uh it's a personal favorite of mine and i yeah. just
2: think that they know how to they know how to entertain people absolutely plus you have uh as far as the script goes you have tom mehan who wrote the book for annie and right. had his hands in so many great pieces like the producers and other things and then you have Bob Martin, the original man in the chair, uh, from the Drowsy Chaperone, do the script. So you have very smart people working on this piece. Oh, that's right, Thomas Meehan You
0: can't get any better than that.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, because
0: the producers and he's he's written some of the funniest things ever on Broadway. And then Bob Martin, I just don't
2: you love Drowsy Chaperone? Absolutely. It uh, the the when I saw that in New York. I saw the matinee and if there had been an evening show that night, I would have turned right around, bought a ticket and sat through it again because it was just so entertaining, so unexpected. And I I didn't know what to expect. And that's part of the joy of seeing a new work when you're not prepared for what's going to happen. And I, I, I enjoy that. Well, the, it's gonna
0: be at the Fox December 20th and 24th and you and the cast are on tour when it's primo holiday season. So do you become a family that uh, uh, spends time together over the holidays because of just the nature of being on the road?
2: Well, sure. We we have started, well, we started rehearsals in New York October 10th. So we've been going Ooh. full ho, ho, ho since <laughs> way before Halloween. Uh, we had a group Thanksgiving dinner which was lovely, in Detroit. Uh, We had, um, well, we are actually in the middle of doing our Secret Santa, Secret Snowflake gift exchange, and our big reveal of who we have and who we've received gifts from and given to will be sometime in St. Louis, probably Friday between shows, and that's always something to look forward to. And then, uh, you know, every. Everybody will be missing their family. Everyone will be missing, you know, their traditions. But when you sign the contract, you know that you're going to be on the road. But there's there's trade-offs. Sure, you might miss your family, but they can come visit you. And that makes an exciting adventure for them. Plus, you're bringing the Christmas cheer to so many people that it's kind of hard to be selfish sometimes. And think, well, I wish I was home sitting in my chair in front of the fireplace looking at my Christmas tree well, we have dozens of Christmas trees everywhere we go. (laughs) So, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of Christmas spirit in all the cities that we visit. And that kind of helps, that kind of helps ease the homesickness that you might feel. Now, this is probably my sixth or seventh tour away from home for the holidays. And frankly, I, I've just come to enjoy the travel so much and meeting the new people on the road and visiting the new venues and uh sometimes my uh my mom and my sister will come visit and sometimes I'll go visit them on a layoff and we we make it work. You find you make your own Christmas.
0: You do. You do. When uh where did you grow up and when did you get the bug for theater since you've been uh on several tours
2: and on Broadway? So Well, um I live in Indianapolis. Uh, But I've lived all over the country, wherever the jobs would take me. For instance, I've lived in Los Angeles four or five years. I've lived in Seattle, Virginia, Cincinnati. It's wherever the work goes. You have to be free. If you're going to pursue this kind of work, you really need to be flexible enough to pick up and replant your roots, albeit temporarily. And how I got got the bug was it's kind of an ironic story in the sixth grade. I grew up in Speedway on the west side of Indianapolis where the 500 is. And they had something called the Speedway Summer Theater where the students would mount a full-fledged production. They would do everything from directing, choreographing, costumes, sets, uh, except for the musical direction. That was done by the choir director. But we would put on a show every summer when there was nothing to do. And I thought, huh, maybe I should pursue theater. This seems stable, this happens, <laughs> this, this happens every every year. Why, why, who can't make a living at this? Um, and I just, I studied at Ball State um, and studied theater and I had always done theater uh, when I could, professional theater when I could, but I always had to have a muggle job to pay the bills. And I was a trainer at Fifth Third Bank, a uh, retail trainer. And I was laid off the day I got back from Paris uh, in 2008, like the rest of the financial world. And, and that's
0: newspaper people. So, yes. Yeah.
2: And the only work I could find was acting because I was finally the right age to play the parts I've been playing all along because I was the <laughs> fat kid. So, it really, I, I've done nothing but professional theater since 2008. So eight national tours later, some Broadway revivals. Uh, I was lucky enough to play Doc in West Side Story in Tokyo for three months. So oh, you wow. get to do some really fantastic things if you're available and, you know, Lady Luck smiles upon you.
1: How did you on like that? living in Tokyo?
2: Fantastic. I
1: love it, it there. Yeah, you can it's get anything out of a vending machine on any corner.
2: Everything. Everything and the food out of the 7-Eleven is delicious. The subways, you can set your clocks to them. It's the cleanest city I've ever been in. And I've been throughout Europe, mostly everywhere, but- I
1: I love it how they get everyone on the train too. They have people in white gloves, just giving them a little nudge to get them all in.
2: Just squeezing them in. Now, luckily because of our show schedule, I was able to bypass rush hour for all three months and could take those the trains at my leisure. Um, But I loved it so much that at the beginning of this year, I started learning Japanese. Now, I'm not very good at it, and I have no place to practice other than, you know, in my living room. But I loved it so much and the people were so kind and generous, so gracious, uh, and I just fell in love with the culture.
1: I went there in 2000 and the bars are if you want to be an American bar, you go to a hotel. But if you want to go to like a Japanese bar, it is an experience because you bring your own liquor and they just keep it for you.
2: Yes. Yes. And some of the bars see eight people. Yes.
1: We found that out. The, The bartender came up to me and she said, I have some American music. Do you like Toto? (laughs)
2: Uh, she said (laughs) I loved it in the 80s sure right
1: right. but and this was this was 22 years ago so it was uh, we're like okay I guess we'll listen to Toto in this Japanese bar they were just happy to have (laughs) Americans there
0: Yeah. well one of my friends her son teaches English over there and he's been there since I want to say oh maybe 2013 14 Mm -hmm. something like that anyway he um is tall so he's like he's like a god to them because he's so tall but he, uh his, so his mom has been learning Japanese she's been taking the lessons and she talks about how hard it is so so uh if you need somebody to run things off because I think she does it online like every Wednesday yeah. or something yeah. so yes, yeah but-
2: no it's it's just um it's just such fun fun to see a different culture. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned your friend's son being so tall. Our stage manager for that project has the brightest yellow blonde hair naturally. And she actually had to get people to stop touching her. They wanted to feel her hair. They wanted to touch it because she stood out. She was like a light bulb in a cellar because everybody has really dark hair, this beautiful, fine jet black hair. And here she is walking past in the Shibuya Crossing, and she has this just bright yellow, just this gorgeous head of hair. And, and she was tired of people touching it, but she she, uh, she appreciated their their interest. You like the attention. Well, speaking of attention, Ball
0: State is home of David Letterman and his yes. C Student Scholarship. Yes. And his, uh, his media center, I believe, is named after him, right?
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, that all happened after I graduated. Um, I'm 62, so I graduated college in '82, and then um, the two famous folks at that time in the acting college was Joyce DeWitt from Three's Company fame, and then David Letterman had um, uh, had done the media the the t- television stuff and all of he his, was a, he was a weatherman. Yes. Yes. He was a weatherman in Indianapolis. And I remember seeing him on the weather. Um, but then his scholarship and his uh, media center came in after I had already left, but we played ball state actually on this tour just a month and a half ago, maybe. And I barely recognize the campus. It is so changed, but it's gorgeous. You have these red brick buildings that, Some of them weren't even in existence when I was there, but it has a really unique look. It struck me very similar to, uh, say, Ohio State here in Columbus, Ohio, or um, there's it was it'll it'll be
1: like it'll be like where you're going to be next week. It's going to be like Slew's campus, because when I went, there was just a a bunch of uh, inter non-connected buildings. And now it's more of a campus.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, But it's um, it's that boy. He's really David Letterman has really done a lot for that program, not only the scholarships, but all the state of the art technology that the students coming up through Ball State now have at their disposal is really fantastic. When I took my media classes, we were getting news off the teletype. I mean, and that doesn't even exist anymore for the most part, just in antiquated old news shops,
1: such a waste of paper.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like the old dot matrix printers.
0: Oh, yes. So- well, I I graduated from college in 76, and by the way, Illinois State. We did play ball state in basketball. Oh. So, yes, we're very familiar with that rivalry. <laughs> but uh, but we had computers that were the size of refrigerators. Oh, sure. sure. And remember the perforated sheets Carl, we're we're uh we're reminiscing down a uh, media lane here, but you Carl, since you're uh, you had to learn all that technology too. So
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's the obvious. AP the AP cool. the AP Newswire used all of that paper. And if if they didn't have anybody watching it overnight, it would just pile up and you that's how that's how you'd rip and read your news. That's what that's why they called it rip and read.
0: Yep, that's exactly yeah. right. And also, if it was big news, it would ding. Now, uh, <laughs> when I was in the the college newsroom, because we put out a paper every day, when I was there, it dinged for when Patty Hearst was captured. Oh my! Was Damn. caught? Was was uh, found? Oh. Was recovered? And uh, that's the only time it ever dinged when uh, when I was uh, working at the. But yeah, no rip and read. 'Cause I I did radio news. That's what we did. That's what we did. We read the AP feed.
1: Yeah. So Mark, you're at the Fox and from the twentieth through the twenty fourth. That means you're and the last show on the twenty-fourth is a matinee. That means if you leave town to go home, you're traveling the evening of one of the busiest days of the year at airports.
2: Well, actually, we're going to stay over Christmas Eve and we go off to Buffalo, New York on Christmas Day. Wow. So we'll have hopefully, a. Hopefully,
1: you can get into Buffalo on Christmas and you're not snowed out.
2: Well, when they had their, what, 70 odd inches of snow, we were actually playing Utica, New York at the time. We barely got a sprinkle of snow. It was really amazing because they're not that far away, no. maybe three hours, but they were just slammed. So we're, I'm hoping our final week in Buffalo goes well. But before we get to Buffalo, we have an amazing week in St. Louis to get through, and it's the week of Christmas. And traditionally, in all the tours, that's been the most fun because everyone is so revved up for the upcoming holiday. Everyone is so excited to be in the theater. And, I mean, let's face it, with the, the pandemic over the last, last couple of years, there's been precious little for families to go out and do together. Um, and and now the kids will
1: be off school.
2: Kids will be off school. The, it, you know, COVID hasn't left us, but it's, it's more manageable now. And it's a little easier to maneuver. And because of that, we've had full houses in every stop that we've had so far. And I really anticipate a really great run at the Fox as well, just because it's, it's great to have something to go out and do with the family that's not on your tv it's a live thing and and uh you know when um uh, miss lynn introduced her son to elf the first show we're the first introductory show that a lot of these kids are going to see and i think the first one you see will determine whether you love or hate musical theater it's kind of like your first trip to vegas you love it or you hate it (laughs) afterwards but it's a terrific show for parents to introduce their children to the live arts, to dancing, to music. Not everybody has to be an actor. You can be a stagehand. You can be a dancer. You can, you can play in the pit. You can play that gorgeous music. So it's uh, it's going to be fun to introduce the kids to a, a Christmas, a Christmas show. And then also just musical theater in general. What's it like playing the Fox since you've been there uh, multiple times? Uh, It is so gorgeous. Now, I've been lucky enough to play all three of the remaining Fox theaters. Um, I've played the Detroit Fox, well, this year, uh, earlier in this tour, and that was my fifth time there. This will be my second time at the St. Louis Fox, uh, the Broadway revival tour of West Side Story being the first one back in 1314. And then the one in Atlanta, um, which is a smaller version. It's still stunning, but boy, it's hard to put a, hold a candle to that St. Louis and Detroit house. I'm, I'm not sure you could possibly, possibly even build it today. It, the, the intricacies and, and being there for a week, you have the opportunity to go around, look at the individual carvings on the walls. You're not just rushing in, finding your seat, watching the show and trying to leave before the parking lot. You know, gums up. You really get to see all the carvings, all the details, all of the hidden things that you may not see when you're sitting in the audience. It is one of the most stunning, stunning theaters I think even exists. And to think back in the day, there were over 20 of these palaces around the country and the fact that only three remain. um, It's a little heartbreaking, but thank God they survived to know that these movie palaces actually existed and things like the Fox in Detroit and St. Louis can still thrive. Well, I was there right after
0: Thanksgiving for the illusionists. And that was magical. But we brought with us one of my friends. Uh, She's like an adopted granddaughter, not really a granddaughter, but they they treat her like she's their granddaughter. (laughs) Anyway, she had never been to a professional play. So when we were coming in, I told that to one of the ushers, and he said, look for the four butterflies. So if you have somebody coming in new on tour that's never been to the Fox, tell them to look for the four butterflies.
2: Well, I've never heard of that, so I'm going to be looking for the four (laughs) butterflies. You'll have to give me a hint of where I might be able to find them. Well, from the audience, you can see. them. OK, well, we have our company meeting every new city. We start off with a company meeting to discuss where everything is located and the, any of the plans for that particular evening or run. So we'll be out in the house and I will first thing I'm going to do is walk in looking for the four butterflies.
1: I'm I'm going there tonight. I'm going to the Cirque du Soleil show. I will look for I've never seen those. Lynn. I've been there hundreds of times.
0: Well, well, me too. I remember right before the shutdown, I saw the band's visit. Oh in, yes, in in 2020, which was wonderful and magical. Yes. And afterwards, they had a little soirée where we met the cast and talked to them. And and uh, the uh, uh, I had a, a new person with me that I'd never been to the Fox with. And since we had that soirée, I was coming out later than I usually do. And so we went a side entrance and I saw Tommy Toon's autograph name yeah. right by that door. And I was just so thrilled because I love Tommy Toon. And I was like, oh, Tommy Toon. And that was the last time I was in the Fox. And I just remember when we first came back last, oh, when was it, Carl? Because it was Pretty Women. So it was earlier this year, right?
1: Yes. Early, early like the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. And it was like, I will never take this for granted again, ever. So you all have to feel like that from the tour because you didn't do this for three years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting uh, what you mentioned, Tommy Tune signature. And some of the older theaters, they have things called wall tags, in case your audience doesn't know what that is. The show will put up its logo or some sort of symbol for that particular show, and then we'll all sign the wall. Now, some theaters don't allow it, but the wall tags in both of the Fox theaters are magical, just as magical as, say, the Schubert Theater in New Haven, Connecticut, where basically everything started back in the day. All the classic theaters played, classic shows, I should say, played there as a pre-New York trial. But when you walk down the stairway to go to your dressing room and you see Carol Channing or you know, Michael Crawford, Yul Brynner, uh, Angela Lansbury. You see all of these names of all of these great stars that I sort of grew up worshiping. And you see that their signature, and you've played on the same stage. And your wall tag is right next to Sutton Foster's and right next to this and right next to that. And you really feel a sense of a theater community when you take a look at those wall tags And it's a source of pride that I, my name is on many wall tags throughout the, throughout the country. And I can't remember all of them, but to know that I'm part of that theater's history is really comforting to me. And it's, it's a mild sense of accomplishment. I mean, anytime that you book a job, it's a sense of accomplishment with all the competition and, and the, you know, there may not be anything going out that season that you're right for, but. When you book the show and you get to put your name on that wall tag, it's just as magical as spreading the Christmas cheer and elf.
0: Well, that's well, that's wonderful. Next time I'm there, I will look for your name in the back. And if you do the tour, you can see all that because Carl's seen it. Uh,
1: my name's on the wall because I was at a, when our, we did our 25th radio station anniversary there and they had us all sign the wall so i'm in there somewhere but i don't we probably got painted over
2: yeah there well there is that they have to make room for the new ones so what so are Mark, we going hum- to oh, go ahead go ahead no go. i
1: was just going to say what does it how do you prepare yourself to play the jolly old elf st nicholas
2: eat a lot of cookies <laughs> i kind of come prepared i come with my own stuffing so I didn't have to prepare too much. First and foremost, I'm of one of the uh, I'm of the mindset that anything that you need is in the script. If the script is good enough, it's provided for you in the words that you're gonna say. And sure enough, because of Tom Meehan and Bob Martin, they give you a really funny Santa Claus to play. This Santa is not the typical um hallmark feel-good. I mean, there are some feel-good moments with Santa, but he's a very beer and pizza kind of Santa Claus. (laughs) A lot of wry sense of humor, a lot of New York sense of humor that if you've ever met Tom or Bob, you can see their personalities coming through the script. So you wanna look like Santa. You wanna look like what people expect. You wanna get a little bit of Ed Asner in there from the movie so that people don't wonder who you are. Um, But then you just try and make it your own and play the script as honestly and as carefully as you can, because everything you need is right there. Everything I needed as Santa was right on my lines, right inside my lines. I didn't have to go very far. Um, and he's he's just so fun to play. Get to open the axe, get to close the axe. Uh, being the narrator, <laughs> I realized the other day that the only two people I really talk to in the show is is the audience, for one, and that's primarily who I address but then also buddy and that's it I don't I rarely have any moments with any of the other folks I do have the moment in Central Park with the family when they sort of find the Christmas cheer and get my sleigh to fly but that's so short and it's so much fun to interact with the audience and those lines the jokes that I get to play well it's just great well we hope that you
0: have a A great, wonderful run here in St. Louis, the 20th to 24th. Go to fabulousfox.com for tickets. And uh, if this doesn't get you in the mood for the Christmas spirit, I don't know what is. And even if you might not be feeling it this year yet, I think that this will, because from personal experience in 2012, When I was in New York, it was because my son was about to embark on cancer treatment. And so we were in the audience and it was a very scary time because I had just met uh, with uh, five doctors in three days. And so this is what we ended with. And you you come out in a better spirit, like hopeful and like things are going to be okay, And so even if you're not feeling it, I do think that
2: it will... It spreads its joy. Absolutely. I always say you may not leave with the Christmas spirit yet, but you know what? It's a great start.
1: Excellent. Now, Mark, I have to say one more thing before we let you go. I told my teenager that we were talking to Mark Fishback today, and she thought you were the famous YouTuber, Markiplier. And I said, no, 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 no. This is the Broadway actor. But how often are you uh confused with the YouTube guy.
2: You are actually my first. What? Really? Yes. You are actually my first. I don't even know who that is. Um <laughs> well, I, he does, he doesn't
1: go by Mark Fishback. He goes by Markiplier.
2: Markiplier. Or no never heard of it. But okay. now you know I'm gonna have to look it up. Because I've never heard of that before. So you are my first well, to be confused he ha- with him.
1: His channel has like 20 billion views and 34 million subscribers. So that's why the teenager knows him and uh us older folks don't necessarily know who he is.
0: Well, yeah,
2: I, I I enjoyed embracing technology, but I have to say I'm not that good at it.
0: <laughs> well, you can get some street cred with the young folk in the cast by talking about Mark <laughs> Flyer. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. well on that note we will let you go and enjoy your your uh tour and best of luck well break a leg break a leg have to tell santa thank break you. a leg
1: crash some christmas trees
2: that's right break some candy canes
1: and everybody sing and your sleigh will fly at the end of the play
2: that's exactly what happens
0: thank you so much thanks mark well, it's, it's yeah. been joyful to talk to you today well thank you Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Well, now we're going to talk about something that's not very pleasurable, Carl, (laughs) sitting through 192 minutes of Avatar The Way of Water.
1: All right. I have said this, and I will continue to say this. I liked 100 minutes of the 100 and... No, wait. I loved 100 minutes of the three-hour and 12-minute movie. So I think... 100 minutes of this long ass three and a half hour movie are great. I think they're really well done and I would love that movie. It's just the other 100 minutes are not great.
0: I think if you're gonna spend all that money, and Carl and I sat next to each other at the screening in 3D with our 3D glasses, and it is a visual splendor. It is spectacular. It's it it's is, a
1: cartoon though.
0: Yeah, it is state of the art, but if you're gonna spend gazillion dollars on effects, then you should put some effort into the story. Well, and I thought the story was dull and dreary. And you couldn't tell sometimes the good guys apart from the bad guys, let alone the sons, because yeah, the he hero, has too many kids. Yeah, the hero played by Sam Worthington.
1: And no, you don't have to see the first one to know what's going on in this one.
0: Uh, the, the hero played by Sam Worthington, who is Jake Scully. He is now uh, married to Nat- Saldana. Nat- yeah, Natiri, and they have four children adopted in and birth and uh they live a sparkly life on pandora which is the extra moon in our solar system and the big Ben military in the first one 2009 which by the way i did put that one on my top 10 so it's not like i'm anti-avatar it's i just-
1: thought i thought avatar was overrated and at the time i said I thought the 3D effects in How to Train Your Dragon were better than the 3D effects in Avatar. And I still maintain that.
0: It's a global phenomenon. It is the highest grossing film of all time. People will plunk down money for this because they want to be wowed. And it does have the wow factor. But it is a slog because this story, when we last saw Jake he was part of the military operations they were mining up an obtainium <laughs> on this so stupid yes this mineral and so now the the problem with okay so the this is how i boiled it down big bad military evil uh colonialists evil terror yeah they're they're uh they're wanting this land from the blue people, the Navis, who are at one with the nature. The
1: indigenous peoples.
0: And and uh, noble. And yeah. so Jake has gone full Navi. The 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 confusing part is the reason it's called Avatar is because the military people are disguised as Navi because of Avatars. For instance, Sigourney Weaver. Is an avatar. Well, she her played daughter... Grace.
1: She played Grace in the first one, and then uh, if you recall, the it's not spoilery to talk about things that were in this thirteen-year-old movie. Grace dies at the first in the first one, and they but her avatar is like in a coma.
0: Right, and so Kiri, her daughter, who's voiced by Sigourney Weaver, uh, goes which to visit her, which is weird because you she
1: wasn't tank. pregnant thirteen years ago.
0: I don't understand this, but so it's,
1: it's science fiction. So you don't need to understand if people are like, well, that that wouldn't make sense. Well, it's a science fiction movie. There is no Pandora planet. If you're going to say that the uh, earthlings came to Pandora, you're already, you're already saying that you're okay with that. You're not, you're not okay of the mystery pregnancy. It, it, you can't pick and choose what is going to be going on in this science fiction movie.
0: So because Sam Sam Worthington's character was so at one with the Na'vi, he betrayed the Marine General who is played by Stephen Lang and who has the revenge. Now in this, I think it's very murky why he's after him like Moby Dick. You know, like Ahab and Moby Dick. Right, I know. But if you don't remember that, it's just, it's very confusing. So they all look very similar. To me, it was- There are a-
1: very few humans
0: in this movie. He takes some of uh, James Cameron, King of the World. He takes some uh, tropes from his previous movies, Terminator, Aliens, Titanic, even with the, the water. Abyss. Yeah. I was so tired of watching people in water by the end. So we have these fantastical creatures. We have this whale shark hybrid that wreaks havoc. We have these seahorse looking things that the Navi ride in on the kids. This is, I said, uh, there's a lot of action because we have this big battle. And then we and now have- hold on a second. Hold on a second. You
1: must give that battle. It's due for yeah. the 30 minutes that that battle goes on. It is a great movie. It is really well done. That battle scene is one of the best battle scenes I have ever seen or anything like it in a long time. Unfortunately, there's 40 more minutes after that.
0: Well, we have the women fretting, the moms fretting, and the kids are being scolded because they're putting themselves in harm's way. And so we have that now. Now figure out who the kids are all the time. The only one you can pretty much tell is different is Spider, who is human kid,
1: yeah. Who and has he is played by a, Jack Champy He has a uh, specific lineage. So
0: yes, while the uh, while Jake Scully's kids are technically outsiders because they have four fingers.
1: No, they have uh, five fingers. Everybody else, all the Navi have four fingers. The human hybrids have five. That's how you okay. can tell that they're half breeds.
0: Okay. If well, you want that. to use that
1: disturbing racist term.
0: Right. They, uh, well, because they that's what that they call form. them. Well, the guy that's in charge of the tribe is married to Kate Winslet. And before people go, oh, Kate Winslet's in this, it, it, she's just a voiceover. You would never tell that that was Kate Winslet.
1: This movie's a cartoon. None of these people look like a each other, except there's Stephen Lang and a Giovanni Rabisi, And the only other human that you'll even recognize is Edie Falco who is barely in the movie.
0: Barely in the movie. Giovanna Ribisi's barely in the movie. All of a sudden during the battle, I go, wait, is that Jermaine Clement? And yes, so, oh, yeah, I
1: forgot about him. He's funny too.
0: Yeah, but they're in it for like a minute. And then we just have this whole familiar thing about family and loss and loyalty. And the people who wrote it, five people did the story and the three screenwriters were Cameron and the husband and wife team of Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. And they're responsible for those Planet of the Apes reboots and Jurassic World. Yes. So I thought the script was pretty pedestrian.
1: Now, did I, you think if they, if they didn't have four kids, do you think it would have been pared down a little?
0: I think so. Because you have to get the whole kids the help. you know, the each whole... Kid
1: gets, each kid gets their own beat except for like really the little one, but you they have parallel stories that are telling the exact same story near the end. And you don't need to have two rescues of the two individual parents. It's just, it's repetitive.
0: It's and, so repetitive. And that's why you could have trimmed this movie in half. And even I'll give it even two hours and it would have been a it far more engrossing. Oh.
1: Oh my no. gosh! It would a one hundred to one hundred and twenty minute movie would have been in my top five movies of the year, but unfortunately, it's an hour and a half too long. But you know what? He's building this world. He we thought we thought we knew Pandora, and we didn't we didn't know anything about Pandora. It because unlike George Lucas, it's not just a forest world. It is a it is a fully uh fully uh climatized planet there is water i'm get maybe the third one they'll be in a snow part of the planet because it's not just it's not just forest they have oceans on this planet as you can see when you see because it looks very much like earth and the earthlings would like to inhabit this planet even though they never talk about how the humans can't breathe on the planet that's it no. seems like a it's unthought plan unless they're all going to like live in domes and stuff, but that I'm trying to make the movie better, which that's not my job.
0: Well, there's going to be three more.
1: No, 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 no. There'll be as many more as there is an appetite. This, th- the third one is finished already. They just have to do uh, the special effects. And it depends on how well this one does. Cause they could, they could wind it up with number three or four or five. Cameron's got, he has an end game. But it all depends on how these do, because Disney's not going to make number five. They'll be in the same position as Warner Brothers when uh, the Fantastic Beast petered out. So I think there's I think this will do fine and we'll get the third one. It depends whether we'll get the fourth or fifth, it's because it's going to take about two years to do all of the special effects for number three. So it's not coming out anytime soon.
0: I don't want to be smirched, the animators, the motion capture artists, uh, all the people that worked on it, because it, it is looks beautiful. Level, it's fantastic. The sparkly when it's nighttime and they're all sparkly, and the stars underwater, beautiful. And then those things underwater that look like butterflies, but they're not. It's just, uh, just uh, gorgeous. But the story is just one big
1: revenge fantasy oh
0: and then and then we do have the relevant climate change and colonialism plots
1: yeah yeah it honestly if it was half as long it would be great but i understand it's beautifully shot it is a cartoon there the motion capture i i am impressed I think it'll win a lot of technical awards because technically it's state of the art. It's next level. It's really well done. It's just, that it all comes back down to story and acting.
0: Well, the last one, as you may recall, won art direction, cinematography and visual effects. It was nominated for like what? 11 awards. But James Cameron famously lost, lost to his ex wife. which was fine for the he he was
1: happy for that he was happy for her
0: yes the hurt locker so moving on it has been garnering awards nominations now our st louis film critics awards we nominated it for visual effects and cinematography yes and that was it and that seems (laughs) deserving carl and i have been watching movies 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 and we're sleep deprived and bleary eyed but I am getting through the ones that I haven't seen because we have to vote Saturday for our awards. If you would like to see the nominations, go to stlfilmcritics.org and it's all listed or my website, poplifestl.com.
1: Or uh, yeah, go to poplifestl.com. The, (laughs) excuse me, the easiest way is to go see Lynn's website because you can see the press release the wikipedia page is uh hard to read so but everything is there also
0: right ours is the press release and we do we did honor uh we did give special uh, merit recognition to Ashley Judd for her courage and bravery in playing herself and she said to Jafar Pahini the uh, Iranian director who is jailed because he asked questions about the other two directors that were jailed. So uh, we did that. And then posthumously, we honored David Bowie for his continuing influence on pop culture and also because the documentary Moon Age Daydream.
1: I voted Weird Al for every single category best actor best song we don't have a best song category uh best uh whatever i voted weird al for everything
0: well uh i do vote for the cca which is which was announced wednesday and i did vote for uh best song and Best Juvenile Performance, and Best Hair and Makeup, which are three categories that we do not have. So that was fun because I do like voting for Best Song. I will say one of the most fun movies of the year that our group is just now getting uh, tuned in on is RRR, which is an Indian action film that's playing on Netflix and I guarantee
1: it's Tollywood, not Bollywood. Get it right. It's Tollywood because of the languages that are spoken in this Indian movie.
0: And I will guarantee everybody you've never seen anything like it. It is a wild ride. It puts the action in action. Now go I was gonna say the the music video, not to not to is a hoot and a holler.
1: Now that movie is also three hours long and it probably needs every single minute.
0: It's it's a sure. It's a little excessive, but it moves like lightning.
1: Unlike avatar.
0: Yeah, no. And then I watched because it was nominated for original screenplay. I watched the menu, which is currently playing in theaters. It is wicked. It is funny. It is macabre. It is, uh, it tackles the celebrity culture chef, the chef tableizing of meals, and the snooty patrons who are these highfalutin foodies that ooh and ah over every uh, technique. And uh, they uh, are a bunch of, uh, like John Leguzamo, he plays a movie star. And Uh, Then we have a couple food writers. Uh, uh, Janet McTeer plays a food writer. And I'm not sure the characters Judith Light and Reed Burney play, two of Broadway's treasures. Uh, They're a married couple with issues, but they have a lot of money. And then we have Nicholas Holt, who is a massive foodie. And he brings Anya Taylor-Joy with him to this event which sets off a, a a ripple effect because they have all been invited by the chef who is masterfully played by Ray Fines. That guy can just deliver and it's such a good performance. He uh, is this haughty exalted chef who is very dictator-like in his kitchen and he has invited these people to this island and they get there by boat and uh, the courses begin but Hong Chow from the whale she is his assistant and when she finds out that Nicholas Holt subbed his date for Anya Taylor Joy who has quite a backstory uh it, they're all upset because this wasn't the guest list that they thought. Yes, was company.
1: he he has he has made a meal that is tailored to every single person, and Anya Taylor Joy is the wild card,
0: right? And the cuisine, what he does, I will just say this: what he does with a tortilla is pretty damn clever. Now it's directed by Mark Mylod and if you watch the AB uh, the, uh, the uh, HBO series Succession he has won two Emmys for directing that show and as you know Carl that's my favorite drama on TV Yes I know and so he's a terrific director and then it's written by two guys that I I never heard of but boy they do have a a flair for the dramatic and also the bizarre and they find humor very very dark black humor in this script i'm not saying this movie's for everybody but after watching avatar and some (laughs) of the pretentious things that we've watched i was ready for this movie it doesn't all work the the i would say the second the third act gets really complicated and uh, you have a lot of questions But as a farce and as a black comedy, uh, if you are, if you understand the food culture from all the celebrity chefs and everything, you'll be laughing.
1: Well, I hear it also uh, makes you want to have a cheeseburger at the end of it.
0: It does.
1: Well, good. Uh, Lynn, we are running out of time. Uh, Next week, we're going to uh, talk about the, the bloated Babylon and we'll talk to many of our other film critics about year-end stuff. And it'll be your birthday next week.
0: Well, right. Well, we're going to do it early. And because Cinema St. Louis just announced that they're purchasing the High Point, I am hoping we get some of them on. And then we're going to save our year-end discussion for December 30th.
1: Oh, I that's think. good. That'll give me more time to watch more movies.
0: Well, I thought so, too, because I have to see after Yang and E.O. And and uh, I have to the see donkey the Donkey movie body bodies 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 Bodies, so that's what i thought too i thought maybe december 30th we'd have more time to get our our critics round thing but the 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 news from cinema st louis is exciting and so i hope yes they will be able to join us next week we'll figure it out and then uh if you are looking for holiday cheer you can go see elf but you can also go see jennifer thebe quinn in the 12 dates of christmas which is i
1: did i saw that it was cute
0: well good because i'm going tonight
1: oh well then i this this was the first time i've been back to the westport playhouse and their video board is really well it, it it brings out the performances and it adds just something to the shows because it's a small house And it makes it feel like it's much bigger with that giant video screen in the back. There are some very, very funny scenes and some very, very funny and cute and heartwarming uh, parts to the 12 Dates of Christmas.
0: Oh, good. I look forward to it. And uh, this is so not holiday programming, but there's an original play that um, ERA, which is an experimental theater group in town, equally represented arts, uh, did a few years ago and is called The Residence of Craigslist. And think of it as a time capsule. They use actual text from Craigslist uh, for huh. this play. That's By dangerous. Lucy Cashian and Will Bonfiglio. And it is a hoot and a holler. It is at the Centine Center for the Arts. It is only... Uh, remaining shows are tonight and tomorrow Saturday the 17th it's a fundraiser too so if you want to just have a joy a joyous experience that's just really it it just captures that craziness before there was next door and before there was such a explosion of social media because we're talking you know early 2000s for these messages
1: well, Lynn, where can we find you on the socials and everything?
0: Well, I am on all of them. And I am in uh, Webster Kirkwood Times every Friday. Uh, you can see Kent and my wildly disagreeing avatar, The Age of Water Reviews, <laughs> this week, because Kent gave it a B plus and I gave it a C minus. And... <laughs> And then I am on KTRS radio, but only for two more weeks at night with Ray Hartman. Stay tuned for where I am going. And uh, then Pop Life STL, my website.
1: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me on 97.1, seven days a week with Mark Cox on the Mark Cox Morning Show and on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. And you can hear me two days on the weekends on KMOX. You and you can hear every, me at the Blues games.
2: Yeah, every I was going to say. I'll you be at the Blues game.
1: Uh, the Blues are on a road trip. Amazing win last night. I really thought I was so shocked at the turn of events there. And then they're playing Calgary this weekend also. But the Blues come back on the 27th. I will actually be at the Jurassic World Dinosaur Show this weekend. And then the Missouri-Illinois bragging rights game next week so i'll still be over there
0: well carl middleman it's been always a pleasure to uh talk to you today and mark fishback was fun this is lynn penhouse uh-huh. wishing you to have merry and bright holidays and we'll talk
1: to you next week on lynn's birthday bye bye